Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hercules Invictus and Athena Victory celebrate the mythic impulses of ancient Greece and Rome, and they invite you to celebrate with them. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. and welcome to Mount Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus. Today, I'm very honored to bring you a tribute to Timothy Green Beckley, and we'll be starting with Tim R. Schwartz, who is an Indiana native and Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer. He's the author of a number of very popular books, including Tim R. Schwartz's Big Book of Incredible Alien Encounters. He's also a contributing writer for very many books, such as Real Ghosts, Restless Spirits, and Haunted Places. Uh, Tim has been on our show before, and he's incredibly awesome, and I look forward to resuming our conversation. Greetings and welcome, Tim. How are you? Why, thank you, Hercules. It's always a pleasure to be with you on your show. I wish the occasion was happier um, Tim Beckley mm. recently passed, and you've known him for very many years. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, probably more than thirty years. Um, wow! Uh, we've been wor- we've been working together for about uh, thirty years, but I actually I I first met Tim probably around nineteen eighty three, eighty four, something along those lines. And what were you doing at the time? How did you guys uh, connect? Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at a television station in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, which you know is right next to uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. And uh, there was a time when um, uh, uh, the the National Air Force Museum was uh, they were opening a little exhibit about uh, their Project Blue Book, and they invited Jay Allen Hynek to, uh, to come and, and, and give a talk. So I interviewed uh, Hynek, and uh, after the interview aired at our local station, then the uh, CBS News feed uh, wanted to pick it up. Now, that, w- that was a satellite service that was uh, provided to all the CBS stations across the country, where they would, you know, uh, like every hour or so, they would run that story. And if you were a local station and wanted to pick it up, all you had to do was record it. Tim Beckley saw that and somehow managed to track me down and get a hold of me. He wanted a copy. He wanted a copy of the story, and he wanted a transcript of it. And that was the first time uh, that uh, that we were introduced to each other. Of course, I had known about Tim Beckley for for years. The the first book that I ever bought from Gray Barker's Saucerian Press was uh, uh, Tim Beckley's uh, a book about uh, the uh, the. Uh, shaver mystery and the uh, uh, the 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 inner earth and mm-hmm. uh, it was just just a co- just just a coincidence. I mean, you know, I was a kid at the time when I bought that book, but uh, you know, it seems like that our tw- our lives were intertwined uh, right from the start. 
that's how I feel uh, as well. As a teenager, uh, I was already into metaphysics, and I I was a deep trance medium for like a theosophical spiritualist uh, uh, group in Manhattan. And uh, my family had uh, family in New Brunswick, and they asked me if I wanted to come. So normally I'd say no, but uh, then I remembered that that's where Tim Beckley's books came from. So uh, I went out there to New Brunswick, mm-hmm. and I wandered New Brunswick as soon as I can get away, trying to find Tim Beckley. I, I didn't at the time, uh, but uh, that's how far back uh, my knowing of him goes as well. So have you always been interested <laughs> in the paranormal? Uh, not always. I mean, uh, I, I I got kind of drug into it uh, probably around third grade when I had to uh, give a, uh, uh, a, a, a I was given an assignment about uh, uh, UFOs that was taken from the uh, 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 Scholastic Book Service uh, newspaper for kids. I remember uh, you that. Know, they'd, they'd, it was an aggregate of all. Yeah, well, it was an aggregate of all the, uh, the the news stories of the week. And uh, one time they had a story about UFOs, and the teacher gave me that assignment. So, you know, I had to write an essay and then present it in front of the class. And then, of course, uh, I was <laughs> – and I could have cared less, actually, at that point. <laughs> but then I was I was uh, now the, uh, the guy who believed in flying saucers and little green men and all that stuff. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, what, but what got me really interested in the subject was that, you know, people would, you know, if they were in a group or something like that, they'd make fun of you. But then one of them later would come up and say, you know, I don't believe in this stuff, but, and then they'd proceed to tell me a story about, yeah, yeah. You know, they tell me, you know, their family was on vacation and they saw a UFO or else, or, you know, they, they saw their great, uh, grandmother, uh, Tilda appear at their bedside and not too long after she had died. So that's what really got me interested in this stuff were, were these, these personal experiences that people had that they really didn't want to talk about uh, uh, because they knew that they would just get laughed at, but they needed to tell somebody. They needed to have that reassurance that they weren't crazy you know, because most people – unlike us and, and those who listen to the show, uh, have no real knowledge about the, the world of the weird. So when something really out of the ordinary happens to them, it just it throws a lot of people for a loop. You know, they think they're crazy or else they, they try to ignore it and shove it into the back of their head and you know, come up with some kind of you know, Occam, Occam Razor type of, of, of explanation. So you know, I would one of the things that I would always do is, you know, I would assure people that, no, you know, I want to hear your story. I don't think you're crazy. Lots of people have had similar experiences over the years. Uh, so, I mean, it's not that it, while it may seem, you know, crazy and, and, and out of the ordinary to you, it, it isn't really. Right. That, that's been my experience uh, as well. And I started several associations as we moved around the, uh, the Northeast, like we had, uh, uh, the Regional Folklore Society in Pennsylvania. We had a society for the study of living myth uh, in uh, New Jersey when we first got here. And, and that was the, the, the point that um, basically people had these stories, lots of them, uh, but they had no one to share them with because mm. even though now you could watch it on speculative TV and through speculative media, uh, it's still something that's not generally believed by the public. So they were afraid of being ridiculed or they had been ridiculed. So we used to give folks a place where they can come and share their stories with other people with similar stories. So it showed them that they weren't alone uh, and that, uh, um, you know, the, these things uh, do exist. We might not know exactly what they are, uh, but they're there. Mm-hmm. People have been referring to them since the dawn of time. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that was a great thing about Tim Beckley is yeah. that, uh, you know, he thought – Along the same lines uh, as as me is that uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, there 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 are so many bizarre things that that happen in this uh, in this world 
that you have to be too care you have to be careful not to just totally dismiss somebody when they come to you with a story that that really does seem like it's it's crazy and and Tim always loved to hear these stories from people because and so many other uh, researchers and investigators, you know, may just d- dismiss somebody and say, oh, you know, you're just lying and stuff. But, you know, Beckley and, and myself, you know, mm-hmm. we thought along the lines of, hey, let's hear your story. We want to hear what you have to say. You know, so, I mean, we just don't – we just wouldn't immediately, you know, knee-jerk dismiss somebody because their story sounded just a little too too weird to be believed. And how did you and Tim hook up uh, professionally and start uh, writing and doing things together? Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I actually uh, wrote articles to to make you know a little extra money for some of the UFO magazines that uh, oh, wow. were around at the time. Yeah, uh, and uh, and then uh, years later, after I got out of college and started uh, uh, working in television, I really didn't have time to do that kind of stuff anymore. But then, gosh, uh, you know, sometime in the early to mid 1990s, I, I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, uh, Beckley was starting a new uh, UFO magazine called UFO Universe. And he, you know, he got back a hold of me again. I mean, we had called and, and written sporadically, you know, over the years in between when we first came into contact. He wanted to know if I had any articles or anything to uh, to contribute to the magazine, and and that's that's how it started. You know, I would uh, supply uh, articles here or there for UFO Universe, which then he he branched out to. Uh, some offshoot magazines you know, like uh, 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 declassified UFO sightings, uh, other magazines like that that uh, uh, maybe would come out four times a year, unlike uh, UFO Universe, which I think it started out as monthly and then it was like every uh, – it was like six times a year, that sort of thing. Uh, and then from there, he decided that um, – he had always had his book publishing uh, company, but while he was working on the magazines, he kind of let that slide a little bit, and uh, he decided at some point that he wanted to put some more uh, emphasis on his on his publishing, and uh, that's where I came in uh, because uh, and and he knew this. I mean, you know, I I have an interest in in all of it, you know, UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, and hauntings. You name it, you know, I'm interested in it. So he knew that he could come to me with an idea for for a book you know, or, or a magazine article, but uh, a lot of times books. And uh, I'd be like, yeah, I can write something on that, you know, uh, because to me, probably more than half the fun, excuse me, of of writing a book is doing the research. I love doing the research and mm-hmm. uncovering uh, uh, stories and evidence uh, about certain situations that you know maybe nobody else has come across before or has has forgotten about, and uh, so that's uh, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons among many that uh, that Beckley liked to uh, come to me uh, for books because he knew that uh, if he had an idea, then uh, I could pull it off. <laughs> that that is awesome. And when did you guys start your uh, radio show or your? Uh, uh, podcast show. Mm-hmm. Started. I was doing a um, uh, a, a podcast with uh, Michael Mott uh, on a, a different network, and we would occasionally have uh, have Tim Beckley uh, on our on our show as a guest. And uh, the uh, the the guy who owned that that network um, liked Beckley, so he offered Beckley his own show. And uh, since I was already doing uh, the sh- uh, a different show with Mike Mott, I couldn't, you know, be his co-host. So uh, mm-hmm. Beckley was doing it with somebody else. Uh, but uh, at at some point, uh, Beckley and uh, the owner of the network had a falling out. I'm not quite sure, you know, what the situation uh, was with that. But um, uh, he got Beckley got an offer then from uh, Tina Marie who was in the process of starting 
the uh, KCOR digital radio network. And uh, she came to Beckley and she said, you know, hey, do you do you want to be, you know, do you want to have a show on my new network? And uh, at that point, the show I was doing with uh, uh, Mike Mott had uh, we had stopped uh, doing it. And so Beckley said, yeah, if I can, you know, have Tim Schwartz as my co-host. And well, that's how it started. We That was in 2015 when we started that. Just uh, we were one of the first shows on the uh, KCOR uh, radio and uh it uh it's it's amazing to to see how that network has grown since that time and and i I'm, i was so happy uh to be you know, one of the first shows to be on that network Th- that is an awesome story will the show continue i don't think so uh i i hate to say this but it just to me it just feels weird not to be doing it with Tim. I um, you know, yeah, he he was such an integral part of the show, you know, with his his stories and his sense of humor. I mean, you know, the guy the guy had a steel trap for a memory of of UFO cases since you know since he got started in the uh, early 1960s you know he was 15 years old when he started uh, uh, uh publishing like a little uh, uh a ufo uh, uh zine and uh, so all that time i mean he just he just acquired this vast knowledge on the subject and uh uh it just it just it just I just can't imagine doing it without Tim. So we're probably going to have one more show on June 24th with a uh, with a couple of his his closest and, uh, and oldest friends, and uh, and then you know we'll, I'll 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 bring it to a close. I hate I hate to do it, but yeah, it's just not exploring the bizarre without uh, Tim Beckley. I, I can understand. Then please uh, send me the link, and I'll promote it heavily. Because uh, uh, you know Tim deserves to be celebrated and uh, remembered. Um, we're going to be joined now with uh, Mark Brinkerhoff and Phyllis Brinkerhoff. Uh, Mark Brinkerhoff is a contactee, a lucid remote viewer, a self-aware aspect from beyond the twelfth dimension, an artist, and a walking who remembers entering the Siphon Veil. He came to our planet to rescue Phyllis Brinkerhoff, his wife. She assists Mark with his mission and plays an active role in bringing cosmic light to this world. And, of course, uh, I met Mark uh, through, um, through uh, Timothy, and uh, then we found that we knew people in common. Greetings and welcome, Mark and Phyllis. Hey, Hercules. Hi, hey. greetings. Hi, Tim. Hi. Hi, Hi Tim. Hi. Hi, Great Tim. To, great to hear uh, your story. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know if you're correct about uh, not going forward with with the legacy of uh, the show, though. You you may want to think about it. Really? Yeah, it's uh, uh, I, I'll just you know, it's one of these situations where I'll just just have to see. You know, I got to get past past the morning period, I I suppose, before um, you know I make any kind of of permanent decision. But it. Boy, it really does seem weird not to be doing it without Tim. Well, you know, there's no there's no question that Tim did have a steel trap mind. I mean, oh. he, he was amazing. He's freaking genius with that. He would know all these different he things. He was, like, yeah. You know, like, I this case, you, guys, you guys met each other through Tim. That's Am I remembering correctly? Yes. How did that happen? On the radio? Yes. On, on Tim's show, yeah, with Tim and Tim Schwartz. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. He's saying that Mark, that Mark, Mark, and you and I met because of Tim. Oh, so I thought you meant Tim Schwartz. That's actually a funny story. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Phyllis and I met through Tim Begley. Um, I met Tim in 1975 down here in New York, and um, uh, he was doing he would he would do metaphysical center type. Uh, uh, reunions or you know exp- expos in a sense like today people do and I came down from upstate New York and just came to visit and see what's going on and um, they let me in as a guest and I met Tim that way and I met some other people and my friend Bryce Bond I met him too and 
and he's on the other side now too. But 1976, I came to New York also again for a UFO uh, expo that Tim put on with a couple other friends. And one of his close friends was Harold Salkin, who was like his partner uh, with writer and everything. And Harold Salkin is the person who brought Ad, uh, George Adamski to New York in 1950s, when George first came to New York. So it was through Harold Salkin that, that it occurred. And Tim met Harold later. Um, but I came back into 1976, and then I got to talk with Tim more clearly with what was going on. They had um, Betty Hill, who I already knew from upstate New York. I had met Betty at another conference, a little talk she gave in, in Peekskill, New York in 1976. So I came down to to see what's going on for fun, and uh, I got allowed, I was allowed in as a guest from the people there. And um, Betty was there, uh, Stella Lansing, and that's the first time I met her, who was also a contact in Massachusetts, and became close friend, good friends with Stella and Betty. Um, and um, that's how I met Harold and Tim together closely, rather than just meeting Tim the first time. Uh, they had given a talk, and they said, has anybody in this audience had ever a physical encounter with an extraterrestrial or very close experience with one? And I raised my hand, and that was the only person in the audience. So then Harold came over to me to interview me, talked with me quietly, and we went to another area to talk. And then, and, and that's how I met Tim and I'd say we all became pretty close. Tim and Harold would come up from New York to Skywatch with me up in Mayapak, New York. And uh, we had sometimes a couple of people would be there, but not always. And I said, um, if you just do certain things, you just be quiet, and we uh, send out thoughts. I have a flashlight that I would use in those days and send a signal out that I use still to this day. And they would usually come over, and they will, um, not always, but sometimes they flashed back the pattern I would put up to the sky, flash back at me the same pattern. Um, and I guess that's the best way I could say how Tim and Harold would drive up from New York, and they would come and hang. We'd go on the sky into the field around 1 or 12 o'clock a.m., and they'd hang out with me, and then they'd drive back to New York. And I'd still stay. <laughs> I'd oh. still stay up in the fields. So that's... Um, uh, they would do that once in a while, right? 1978, I met Phyllis through Tim. Um, I actually had a vision of Phyllis in 1976 in Florida. I knew what she looked like, but I didn't know her name, and I didn't know I'd see her. So I knew I was going to be guided to see her. So I came to New York through Tim Beckley's um, connections to these men that were looking for a person that had contact with an extraterrestrial, uh, a benevolent contact, and at a young age. So they said, Tim said to them, we only know one person upstate in New York. Can that person come to the city to meet with us if we come in? Because they were in California. And um, I told Tim, when Tim asked me, I said, yeah, tell him, sure, no problem. So I came down on the train. I met with them. They were people from Spielberg's people regarding the movie that they created later called E.T., the Extraterrestrial. They took all my information, <laughs> tape recorded me, saw my photographs and artwork, and uh, when I was done with them, I, I, I said, do I sign something now? And they said, oh, no, no, we're just gathering information. So I said, what about the aliens? Are you going to make the aliens similar to what I described? Oh, no, they're going to make them up himself. He's going to make his own up. So that's when I found out it wasn't, um, it wasn't Star Wars people. It was, uh, it was Spielberg. But that's when I went back to Grand Central Station, and I was ready to get on a, a train. I was going down a ramp. The train was waiting. And my guardian angel, I know people, if you believe in them, they're really there, but they are there. Uh, the guardian angel slowed me down, stopped me with a buffer energy so I couldn't move faster or go anywhere beyond the buffer. That was it. It was like something cushioned me from moving further in front to go further to the train. So I asked them, I said, what's the matter? And they said, go back, tell Tim, thank you. Tim and Harold, say, say thank you. I said, but they already knew that. They knew I was coming to come and go back on the train. No, no, go back and make a phone call and tell them thank you, they said. So I said, okay. So I went to the phone booth and made a phone call back, and the train left. And uh, that's kind of what happens when I got to the phone. Uh, Harold answers the phone, and uh, I said, I was just told by my angel, Harold, to call you guys and say thank you, even though you knew I was leaving. He says, oh, my gosh, Mark, I'm glad you called. We were hoping you might call. Uh, there's a woman that's been waiting here for a few hours, hoping to maybe meet you. 
and and, oh, I, wow. and um, what to do, you know, like we were we were hoping that you might come by. So I said, does she have black, dark brown hair? <laughs> and is wearing some glasses and nice red lipstick. He says, yes, she does. And all my hair went up on my arm and my neck, and I said, that's it. I'm on my way over. <laughs> I got over there because I knew it was it was the person I saw in 1976 in Florida. So remember, this is 1978 in March. So um, I get there, and I can't even get to the door to knock it. I'm shaking because I know it's my soulmate there. So I buzz the buzzer. Harold answers. He says, oh, yes, you want to come in? I said, wait a second. Let me look one more moment down the hall. And at that moment, Phyllis leaned forward to look at some photos on the coffee table, and I saw her whole profile. She looked exactly like the person in the car in 1976. I told Harold, I said, that's the person they saw that I told you about in 1976. So I went in, that was it. It was like we knew each other. And uh, you called me later at night at 1 a.m. in the morning. We talked for three hours. And we never stopped talking. Never stopped talking. (laughs) She had question after question after question. And I knew this was the person I... And I had out of bodies with her before I met her, and uh, I knew she was uh, my soulmate in the high realms as the uh, glorified forms of us. That these forms were on Earth; they're just our Earth, Earth body shells, you know. But the other forms uh, I recognized. So we've been brought together at that time, and we've been together ever since. So that's, that's forty some odd years, and so I've known Har- uh, Tim for since 1975. Yeah, yeah, over 40 years. And he's been a good buddy. We love him. We would visit with him downtown when he had a chance. But in the last few years, we last saw him at the Pine Bush UFO uh, Festival. And that was around 2018. And that was the last time we physically saw him, but we talked a little on the phone. And I could never get him to come uptown. So I said, well, we'll come downtown (laughs) and hang with for your birthday, you know, we'll just take you I, out. I think we should. And he would go, I don't feel so good. I'd love to put him. No, I know. Yeah, he, he was not feeling good in those years. He was for a long time. Um, I, I think it was interesting what Mark was able to get, uh, you know, last week when he spoke with Tim after he had departed. After Tim had departed, I said to Mark, may, may, can you get in touch with Tim to see how he's doing, you know, what, what he's up to? And I don't know if everybody listened to that um, transmission, but Tim gave us permission to post it, so we did. And at that time, he said he was getting, you know, he was had already asked them if he could uh, get taken to the Ashtar Command um, uh, spacecraft. Ashtar. To meet Ashtar, yeah. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was just absolutely magnificent. I didn't expect that from Tim, but he did believe in these beings. I know he had found it rough to believe that I might be what I'm saying I am, but Harold believed, uh, Harold Salkin. Um, Tim was always good. He was keeping it like, you know, like you're the investigator. He's just, you know, all right, you say that. That's okay. My investigators, the Scientific Bureau of Investigation, called Tim Beckley and asked if he knew anybody who had UFO photograph. And Tim said, yeah, I know a well, guy a good one. in New York. Yeah. You know, from upstate New York, yeah, he has a photograph. So the investigators, uh, Pete Mazzola, came over with his uh, we, partner. We have to, Mark, you have to mention that in those days there were only either uh, pictures, oh, right. you know, print, print, print photos, or negatives, negatives, or you know, positives, or whatever. Yeah. So that, there was there was no digital at that time. And nobody knew that about a month or so before, Phyllis and I did a certain type of prayer that you ask for help for investigation, like documentation, even though I never got the physical documentation, but um, they showed up within a month on the March 3rd, um, and basically it was a year after the day well, we met. That's true. Yeah. But, but the thing that... At 3 o'clock in the, the afternoon. The thing that was fun is they came over <laughs> looking for one, one, photograph, day, one photograph, because back in those days, if you had one photograph of a, a UFO, that was considered spectacular. Yeah, and so Pete comes to the door and comes in and says, Pete, Tim Beckley sent him. And uh, that you have a photograph of a UFO, a negative? And I said, uh, yeah, that's just one. Well, no, you didn't say that. You went you into said, the room. And oh, you, I did? I grabbed the And you bag. just bought, brought out a, uh, like a bag of negatives. And I think we joked about negatives. <laughs> we like joke of negative. I said, wait a second. Yeah, right. I went and got a big folder uh, envelope of negatives and film and Super 8 film. He went crazy. He loved it. Now, remember, this guy was a New York City detective who was running this agency, so he was, you know, it was pretty hard to amaze somebody like that. Yeah, he was the nuts and bolts. 
Sort of like Heineck was in the beginning, too. Heineck was nuts and bolts at J. Allen. We met him in 1980, and I talked to him about the other dimensions and how space-time travel and how they do their warping of time and space, and that opens his head, it seems like, because Tim, not Tim, but uh, Pete contacted us and said, you must uh, change Heineck's mind or something because the article he wrote was what you said. So... You know, the that thing, was a wild time. The, the thing that was interesting is in the past few years, uh, Tim had been contacting Mark and asking him to write a few pages here and there in some of the books that he was working on. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, he, he uh, Tim put them in the book on repeaters. And then one of the comments that uh, um, Tim made, I, I believe, to us about the repeaters book is that People, you know, he they, he didn't have the kind of response to the book on repeaters. But, and a repeater is a, uh, a, a a person who gets more than one UFO photograph uh, as on a regular basis. And so he said the response that people were actually having to that was that, you know, people like Mark would be a kook, and you know, really not worth listening to, things things of that nature, you know, kind of dismissive. Yeah. And he said he was sort of surprised. I, I don't know if he ever told you that, Tim, um, that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, any time that you put out a book like that, you're going to get the haters. Yeah, uh, and uh, and there 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 just seemed to be a uh, a group that just that just loved to hate on uh, Tim Beckley for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. sure you know, you've gotten that uh, because I know even when I give pre-library talks, uh, usually every two or three uh, talks, uh, there's somebody in the audience <laughs> who who tries to um, say that I'm a cult leader or like a fraud or something. It's like, well, I'm not charging any money. Uh, and I'm still giving you a free information look at a library. Uh, and do you see any <laughs> disciples? <You know? laughs> but uh, uh, there, there always has to be somebody. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why you... did you come to this? If you know, uh-huh. yeah, right, right. Yeah, you what you, you should get out of here. But <laughs> the thing that I, I was just—I think he was just slightly surprised uh, that it, that it had to endure that type of scrutiny or, or whatever, you know, disbelief or whatever the case may be. Because you know, a lot of people uh, there. There are some very substantial people out there that have gotten incredible uh, UFO photography over the years. We understand how people find it impossible. Mm-hmm. Us, mm-hmm. you know, believe me, it, it does. It's not lost on us at all. Of course, we don't care. But you know, because all we do, Mark does, is he tells <laughs> the truth because he knows it and sees it. And you know, and as I've experienced it, I've yeah. seen him. M- so many times in my life where he says, oh, they're, all, they're telling me to go to the window. I have to go shoot, you know, shoot the UFOs and I'll run to the window with them and there's the UFOs, you know. So yeah. you can say that he's not hearing from them, but I'll say, well, you know, yeah, yeah. give me a lie detector test. And Tim and Harold were witness to some in the fields when they came over and did their thing and then they zoom out and flash off. And, and Pete Mazzola, too, with the um, Scientific Bureau investigation, he thought that I was off, yeah. And then... Uh, when they came, when they said they would come, when I told them that day they were going to come to him in, in New fun. Jersey, um, they came over. They did a total thing for them. I was also predicting things for them. And Tim one time, um, I'm sorry, Tim, it was Pete came over with photographs he was going to analyze with a newfangled computer. Oh, at, that was fun. And he brought all these, old, all these photographs of UFOs from the 1940s to the 50s to the whenever, just right up to date. And I said, oh, can I look at them? And he goes, oh, you, you probably recognize some of these old ones. And we're going to retest them again because some people had them as definitely real and some were not sure. So I said, let me play with them for a second. So he hands me the stack. How big was that? Three and a half, four inches yeah, stack of photos. Stack. And it was big. They were not all giant folders, little five by eights and all that. And I just went, looked at each one and felt them because I could sense their energy when they're real. I went left, like right side, left side, right side, real, right side, left, no, real, no, real, real, no, like that. And I just kept putting them down, putting them down. I was done. And I had more real than not, from what I remember. And when Pete looked at the stacks, he said, I'm going to keep them separate so I can do this and see how what happens. He looked at the ones I said real, and he said, Mark, some of these are the ones they said were hoaxes. And they said, no. And then you look at the fake ones, the ones that were not real, and he says, Mark, some of these were said they were real. I said, no. <laughs> so he goes and gets them analyzed, kept them separate. He comes back the next week, 
in a week, weekend or so, and he, he says, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, we go, what? And he says, every single one that you said was real was real, and every single one that we thought some were real were fake. It all showed in their new computer systems that they had that can read so Mark fine bat- lines. So Mark was batting 1,000. So he was like, how did you do that? I said, I didn't do it. I just feel them. And I, <laughs> sen- I sense them. And um, he did that. They did that with me, my space friends, with a deck of cards. We were sitting there just hanging out. Yeah, and our, they, you know, that's not the kind of thing it, to talk about. Well, they did the same thing, red, I black, know. red, black. And I was upside down. I didn't but know. It, it, and we not, flipped them over. They were all a, red and black. It's not exactly an important, you know. It was, yeah, but I'm just saying it was a similar vibe. No, no, I think that. the stack of, of UFOs uh, deciding which was fake and which were true, I thought that was, you know, That blew my mind, profile. too, because I didn't expect what I'd see. I didn't but, expect But it's it. been fun over the years, you know. It's, uh, Tim's been great. He's, he's wonderful. And we call it, we consider him our brother. That you know, we just always loved him as and a brother. And we would run into him in the street. You know, I used to work down at uh, down around Union Square, and uh, he spent a fair bit of ta- time down in that area because you know we'd often run into him on the street. Yeah. With Carol. With Carol. <laughs> yeah. They did. They'd just be right there. And yep. he always had you know just a sense of 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 being somebody special. Whenever you saw you know. Tim, unexpectedly, you just got the sense uh, this is a celebrity of some sort. It just was the way Tim was. Yeah, one time Mike Luckman, his other friend who's on the other side too, had a party at his house. The first time Phyllis and I came to his apartment, and he had a little deck outside. Tim was sitting there with Carol, and some other people were there. And I was tuning up, tuning up, and listening, listening, and all of a sudden I saw a giant, uh, the sphere come over, the silver sphere. And it just stops overhead. So I'm pointing to the sky to Tim to look up because he's sitting down on a lounger chair. I'm like pointing, look up, look up, because there was noise and music. And he goes, okay, Mark, that is the sky. And I said, no, look. <laughs> it was so funny. He's like, Mark, I get it. It's the sky up there with a cloud. I said, no, no, look. So he looks straight up and he says, oh, yeah, look harder. There it is. It was a silver sphere. And they hovered there for a while, and then they made a left turn and flashed off. So I just wanted him to know they came to visit Mike's party, and uh, Mike saw it. And another friend of his, Mark, Mike, Mike had a friend named Mark who's an artist, and Mark saw it. But I forgot Mark's last name. I know, I forgot. He's, a, he's an artist that would do some <laughs> art. <laughs> now, but, uh, I met uh, Tim Swartz through uh, Tim Beckley, although I knew of Tim Swartz, you know, because, again, I used to read these books and devour them and want to be like the people who wrote them. Uh, and I met you through uh, Tim Beckley also. Um, and although it turns mm-hmm. out as we're speaking that not only do we know people in common, but we were very active in the 70s, pretty much within blocks of each other. So I'm sure as time progresses and we talk to people, we'll find uh, more connections uh, there. Uh, did you guys meet each other? Like, uh, Tim, did you re- meet Mark and Phyllis through uh, Tim Beckley also? Uh, yes, I mean it's uh, we've we've never met physically, <laughs> uh, but yes, it was it was through uh, Tim uh, Tim Beckley that uh, that we got to know, know each other. I mean, you know, we had uh, uh, Mark on our show uh, a number of times, and then of course, uh, including uh, his uh, his chapters for several books. That that we've uh, put out, uh, you know, in, including the the UFO repeaters, which, by the way, is one of my favorite books. Uh, I love it. You know, I, I I think you know, we all, we all worked really hard on that book, and I mean it's a fantastic book. And if, if you know those out there who are listening have not read this book, I encourage you to get out there and get yourself a copy uh, because uh, the stories, the photos. And fantastic, just just fantastic. Yes, that's my blatant kid. We agree. Big modest now, guy. Now we have joining us Olaf Phillips. Olaf is conspiracy researcher and writer, specializing in the secret space program, exotic aircraft, high technology, foreign policy, prehistory, and mysterious civilizations. He is a regular contributor to several magazines and newspapers, as well as publishing the legendary Paranoia magazine. In addition to writing and publishing, Olaf has appeared extensively in multimedia, 
And he's also been a, the principal researcher and executive producer for Ground Zero Radio with Clyde Lewis, which is nationally syndicated by Premier Radio Networks. He's authored The Secret Space Age through Adventures Unlimited and The Secret Cold War in Space through Paranoia Publishing. Greetings and welcome, Olaf. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Okay, great. Um, now, we met each other partially through Tim uh, Beckley. Have you met Tim Swartz or, or Mark and Phyllis uh, Brinkenhoff? Uh, I've met Tim Schwartz, but uh, I have not met the others. Okay, great. We all met through uh, Tim Beckley. Um, how did yeah. you meet with Tim Beckley? Well, uh, I don't remember exactly how the first time, a long, long time ago, I think it was inquiring about some of his books. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I, I have copies of a lot of the really old ones, like the men in black and, you know, some of the books. And I think the, originally I contacted him about an infamous photo he took of a man in black. But after that later, you know, um, I submitted articles to some of his books and, you know, I, he used to give me advice about publishing because obviously he was the publishing master. So... <laughs> Chit chat about things and all kinds of stuff. But that's, I think that's how I originally met him. Yeah, and plus uh, we uh, we had we had Olaf on on exploring the bazaar a couple of times. Yes. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Now absolutely. it was I'll a great time. Every... It was one of my one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, it was it's it, it's a great uh, podcast. Um, and uh, I was uh, honored to be on it a couple of times, and uh, I had a great deal of fun uh, doing it, and uh, uh, I promoted it very heavily because I was proud of, of being on it. And, uh, Tim, now that oh, yeah. the podcast is not going to continue, I would love to have you on as a regular what? guest. So what? whenever it's, it's going to stop. Well, it's like I said, uh, Olav, earlier in the uh, the the program i'm i'm not too sure if i'm going to continue it because i just i i just find it hard to imagine doing the show without uh, without tim beckley you know it's just uh, I, I don't know it's just like a, a, an important factor of the show just won't be there yeah. so you know it's, i get uh, it i don't know I get it. yeah <laughs> Well, if there's anything that I can do to help with the show, you let me know. But, you know, it's it's an amazing oh, show. You. And you and Tim, you guys worked on it so hard, and it was so good. <clears throat> I would hate to see it go away. Mm, you know, so. Yeah, well, it's – But uh, I understand. And I've said, this, I've said this to other people. Yeah, I've said this to other people that uh, I, <laughs> I think that a majority of the listeners – and and you know, once I say this, you know, everyone's going to go, oh, that's not true, that's not true. But I think the majority of listeners, you know, tuned in not only to listen to the guest, but to hear Tim Beckley as as oh, well because he had such, yeah, yeah, he had such great stories and was just always fun, so much fun to do the show with. And uh, boy, that's it's it would be really difficult to continue with that spark without him. No, I get it. I mean, I interviewed him a few times for Paranoia, and, you know, it was an amazing interview. You know, the stories, and he knew everybody, and just the crazy, insane things that he did. And, you know, I always kind of looked up to him as being, you know, the archetype of what I wanted to be as a as a Fortean researcher and a writer and, a, and just the, I don't know, the, the showman that he was that, you know, for me personally – and, to, and when I used to talk to him about it, it's like, tell me how you did that, because I want to do that. I want to live the life less traveled and <laughs> and do the, do the crazy and have fun have fun with it, you know. Well, and and, and you know, Tim Beckley, uh, Tim Beckley, when he was was um, uh, really in and on it, he was not afraid to uh, you know to travel to locations and, and talk face-to-face with, with the witnesses. I mean, he, he definitely was not an armchair investigator. 
And uh, yeah. and I know that I mean you know even even in the early days with with him and Jim Mosley, I mean they traveled quite a bit to to talk to people face to face. You know now you know, now it's it's so much easier just to send an email to somebody or text them uh, that uh, a lot of people I think are loath to actually uh, get to. A location and check it out for themselves. Talk to the people, you know that sort of thing, and, and that's that's something that I think that is is kind of missing in you know more recent uh, research. It is, and you know I was actually talking to to Alan Greenfield, and I, I had to break the news to him, and he, you know, he was telling me stories about mm. what him and Mosley and and uh, Tim Beckley and and uh, you know some of the others what they did to the shenanigans that they got up to. And, you know, it just sounded, I, I always tell Alan that it's the, you know, it was like the golden age of ufology, you know, not only were they out there mm. investigating things and researching things and figuring things out, but they were also, you know, they were having fun with it. And I, I think there's an element of that. It, it's just, I, I want to get back to that. I want to do that, you know, and it was really Tim. I think for me, it was really Tim, that opened my eyes up to the shenanigans aspect and the fun of it. it was before it was like, no, research is, you know, this is like collegiate research and, you know, I have to write 4,000 page papers. And, you know, it was like, no, you can have fun with this. And I think it really changed my perception of what was possible, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, th- I think that's, that's an important, and, and I think also I, is uh, that's one of the reasons why some people just did not like Beckley uh, because of that that element of his his research. And then it's like you said, oh, you know, I mean, it's like, oh no, I gotta you know write this four thousand word you know essay, get it out there, and just you know just the facts, right. bam, that sort of thing. And so then I you have, have somebody like, you know, like Beckley come along. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, you know, you have like yeah. 300 references with footnotes and, yeah, you're missing the story, you know. Uh, right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and that's that's one of the things is that, you know, uh, Beckley and, uh, uh, you know, others, uh, you know, of, of his kind, you know, mostly, and I guess, I mean, they right. they would get out there and they would, they would they would talk to the people. But not only would they talk to them, but they would get to know them. And I think, right. see, that's, that's a very important aspect um, of the kind of research that Beckley uh, did was that, I mean, yeah, you may be able to get the details of the sighting and that sort of thing, but unless you are familiar with the person who is giving you the report, then you're missing an important aspect of it. And he was just so joyous about it. Like whenever you, when, you know, I would ask him a question about publishing and be like, yeah, this is how you do it. And then you go, so tell me about that photo you took of the men in black. And he just <laughs> lit up, you know, he was just so joyous <laughs> about the subject in general. And I, I don't feel that a lot of times, like with a lot of researchers now, it, you know, it's like rinse and repeat, but he was just, and he, he loved the crack pottedness <laughs> of some of it. You know, he, the one thing I, I, I'm jealous of him for, and I try to emulate him as much as possible is his embracing of the entire phenomenon that he, you know, yeah. you didn't have to have mm-hmm. 147 references and, you know, footnotes. And, you know, even if it was a little crackpot, you know, he was on it because he saw the, the folklore in general and he saw the, the storytelling in general. And I think that's something that's lost today, you know, because we have TV and, you know, books everywhere and, you know, and Amazon Prime and whatever. You know, you miss the, the storytelling of it and you're kind of lost in the detail of it. And I just, I love the big picture that he had and just the craziness of it. It is living mm-hmm. mythology, it's mythology that's unfolding right before our eyes and folklore right. uh, in making. And uh, I've always found that to be the most uh, precious element of the whole thing itself. It's, it's uh, these stories, uh, people live them, they believe them, it affects their life. And then oftentimes it affects the culture around them, sometimes in very profound ways. And, and that's the treasure uh, in doing that work. Yeah. And and he was the master of that. He was the master 
of kind of um, you know he got to know the people and you know I'd hear stories about oh yeah you know they had a UFO sighting we went over there we interviewed them then we you know we all sat around and had dinner and drinks and you know we (laughs) played the piano and sang and it's like what are you doing you know today it's like okay I'll send you an email you can scan in a drawing and it's like his generation like like Beckley and and Greenfield and Mosley and Park you know um, Palmer and and Keel frankly you know mm-hmm. there was a so there's like a humanity to it mm-hmm. and and you know and I, I really always loved hearing his stories like sometimes I'd send him emails or I'd talk to him you know it was it wasn't as frequent as I would like but. You know, he would tell, he would just go on and on with these stories and, and just the humanity of the experience where now it's it's all just so calculated and it's all just like numbers and, you know, let's overanalyze the photos. I just, I don't know. I love the humanity that he brought to it and the humor. <laughs> hmm, the humor, right. Well, and there was, there was one aspect of, of Beckley that, boy, it's, I don't think that there would be anybody else that had this ability, but Tim had the ability that he could be anywhere, uh, just you know, going out for a drink, going to a bookstore, something like that, and there would be somebody who would recognize him and come up to him and right. say, "Hey, you're that guy," and then you know, then they would proceed to tell tell him you know a story about. Uh, you know how they were interested in UFOs, or you know the strange experiences that 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 you know that they had, and he met so many people that way. I mean, how many mm-hmm. how many of us sitting here doing the show right now can say the same thing that they have been out someplace just totally random to have somebody come up to you and go, "Oh, hey, I recognize you. You do a, you're that UFO guy." <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's, yeah, but, it's really. Go ahead. It's it's really ballsy to say that you're Mr. UFO. I mean, that's, you know, I watch Bering Sea Gold, and it's it's really ballsy to say you're Mr. Gold. You better put, you know, put some put something out for that. But I think in Tim's case, I think he really was. I mean, he, I think he really, really was Mr. UFO. And, and I think a lot of people, whether they, they think of it consciously or not, I think a lot of people identify with him that way. And it's a powerful, powerful mm-hmm. thing. And in and I also, I love the, the diversity of his life experience. It's like, on one hand, you know, he produced movies. He did, yeah. like, book reviews, <laughs> you know. And then he, you know, he also yep. did this UFO stuff and 4chan stuff and just the crackpot stuff. I mean, it just, Music. it was just such a hoot. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we're approaching the end of our hour, and I'd like to give everybody a chance to give their contact uh, information. But uh, this feels like it's to be continued, so we'll talk about that after the show. And we'll start with Tim Swartz. How can people get in contact with you and enter the weird universe that you brought us? (laughs) Well, sure. Uh, Well, all of my books, and Tim Beckley's books as well, are – are up and uh, running and will be uh, uh, as, as long as I know on Amazon.com. That's probably the best place right now that you find them. Uh, uh, we've got a website, conspiracyjournal.com. Uh, again, that's conspiracyjournal.com. And uh, you know, I, I put out the Conspiracy Journal newsletter, but uh, I haven't uh, put it out for a couple of weeks because of just everything yeah. that's been going on. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, get back uh, uh, to that as as well. Thank you very much. Mark and Phyllis? Hi. Um, the intergalacticmission.com, you can reach us there. Get the email at that one. is markbringerhoff at yahoo.com. And etuniversalzone.com. And uh, you can also get connections there. We knew Jim Mosley, too, and uh, Saucer Smear. And John Keel used to come to our parties. He lived a couple blocks from us. Along with Ingo. And Ingo Swan. Oh, it was fun those days in the oh, late wow. 70s. Yeah, John Keel was I'm great. Jealous. Oh my gosh! And I've always had we've had these experiences with Bigfoot and crypto things. You know, we know what we mean by that. Mark's had a lot of crypto experiences. I actually saw one of those dinosaurs that people talk about that fly overhead. So <laughs> when I was twelve, so it's a great way to. I, we love cryptozoology, really. 
And um, okay. that's it. So that's the way to reach us, intergalacticmission.com. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Well, thanks for being here. We still got a couple of minutes. Uh, and we're going to ask one more question when everybody's given their information. Olaf? Uh, you can find me at Paranoia Mags on Instagram, but really you need to go to conspiracyjournal.com and buy some Tim Beckley's and Tim Schwartz's books. They're really good. So go go visit yes. those guys. You can Google me later. Go visit those guys. I agree 100%. Um, I met Tim Beckley during the John Keel days, way back when, I guess in the 90s uh, sometime. Um, but I've been in contact with him on and off for much of my uh, life. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite times was when he was producing those uh, low-budget movies. Uh, he said yeah. we had a lot of fun with all the movies. I had him on the podcast that I had at the time. He sent me over a big box full of goodies, and uh, I reviewed them. I think one of the reviews is on Amazon. What's your favorite memory of Tim Beckley? Tim? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, uh, probably my, one of my favorite memories is uh, when uh, when we were actually uh, making one of those uh, movies. It was called <laughs> the, uh, the Curse of Ed Wood. And uh, uh, I, I actually I, I flew into uh, to Manhattan to uh, uh, to to direct that for Tim, and uh, we got uh, one night at a at a location that we were shooting at. Tim became obsessed. Uh, somebody had brought in a giant pair of bat wings that he wanted uh, one of the actresses to wear to to. Uh, come out of a coffin with this bat with these bat wings on and you know we were on a tight schedule and I'm like Tim we don't have time to do this but he just became obsessed and had to get this shot which ended up I mean it took hours to shoot and ended up being like less than five seconds in the actual movie so that was Tim for you (laughs) thank you very much Mark and Phyllis what are your uh, favorite memories of Tim Watching Tim dance at our parties, which was hilarious. <laughs> Errol and my and our sister-in-law. <laughs> it was funny. It was really fun. He was the party. He was a like fun. The party. And he dressed up in like a jacket and velvet and all this and be Mr. Mr. UFO. And remember, he's Mr. UFO because he was the only one who had a UFO call a center here in New York City. First one. And that that's how I think that all started, because that's what he told me. I called myself Mr. UFO, because everybody, I was the only place to go for UFO info in New York City. <laughs> was the first one. <laughs> it was great. What was it? Plus the day we met. Olaf? I think it was when I first met him, I was talking to him about Men in Black. And I was I was lamenting the fact that nobody had ever taken a photo of one. And he's like, well, don't you know? And I'm like, don't I know what? He's all, I took a photo of one. I'm all, no, you didn't. You're full of shit, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I, I took one. He spoke very authoritatively. And, and you know, he, he kind of downplayed it. And then he sent it to me. And I was like, dear God, what is this, you know? And he's all, oh, so now you're impressed, you know? And it was just, yeah, because I had no idea. I posted on your, your Facebook site. Oh, yeah, that was a good shot. Good shot, Ben. Remember, not only yeah. men in black are aliens. Some of them are the secret guys here, Earth people, doing that whole look, too. It's not yeah, all just aliens. Although I, yeah, this, Stella this, Lansing had an uh, experience with them. Uh, they drove up in a weird Cadillac with pink headlights. At the end of the day, they just showed up on her road up there in Massachusetts in Palmer, Mass. It was near a lake. They just came along, showed up, drove up silently, went in front of her house, and they had the guys in with the hats and the dark glasses, and they were just staring at her, their house from the windows. And uh, they're just looking at her from the car. Then the car drove around. It was a cul-de-sac. Drove around, and then where it was supposed to leave the place, it just dematerialized. Thank pink, you very much. Head. We have less than a minute left. Uh, thanks, all of you, for being on tonight's show. I look forward to having you on again. Um, you're all awesome. You're all legends. And your old friends, and uh, I wish you all the very best. And uh, thank you for uh, getting together so we could share memories of Timothy Green Beckley, the legend. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Love you. Love you, Hercules. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Hercules. Thank you. And thanks thank you. to everybody who tuned in, whether you called in, whether you listened <clears> on the internet while we were talking, or whether you're going to tune in later on demand. 
we all wish you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. And now we'll close with Cry Freedom by Bone Coats. Good night.